Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here at our Crack Racket shows, a top five appearer here on the Cracked Interviews podcast in terms of college coaches across the country. Of course, a man who's probably feeling pretty good coming off of a weekend that saw his team advance to the NCAA Sweet 16. Welcome back to the show, Oklahoma State women's tennis head coach, Chris Young. Coach, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing I'm doing great. And to know I'm top five in something, uh, you know, that's uh, pretty exciting news. So that you just made my day with that. I'm going to go home and tell my wife that I made the top five. I appreciate that. I was telling I was asking Coach Bresky earlier today about his doubles arrangements. He goes, well, you know, the reason I played 25 is I knew you were going to ask me, Alex. And I was like, yeah, I was like damn straight I was going to ask you and so no I always am immensely grateful for your tolerance of our nonsense here at Crack Rackets and always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you particularly when you're coming off of a weekend that saw your team not only knock off New Mexico State 4-0 but of course knock off UCLA as well 4-2 to advance to the NCAA round of 16. Let's start with the doubles point. Always enjoyable when it comes down, or at least for us fans, when it comes down to a final set tiebreaker. How critical was that doubles point for you all against what is a veteran-laced UCLA team? Yeah, I thought that it was the doubles point was going to be critical. Anytime you're playing a, ma- a match against a team like UCLA, who's talented up and down the lineup, every point's important. Um, but, you know, I think they came out really strong and, and with a lot of confidence, and I thought it was really important for us to get that doubles point just to uh, – set the tone for the match. And, and also I thought there were so many really quality matches one through six that, um, you know, you couldn't really, I don't think either side could be completely confident in any of those necessarily that was going to go one way or the other. We knew we had to play really well. So um, I liked our matchups and doubles. I think that we've really started to play good doubles uh, really starting with the Pepperdine match. We kind of shook up the doubles a little bit and changed our two and three teams. And, and since then, um, 
haven't lost a doubles point, you know, even um, beating, beating Pepperdine, uh, beating Texas Tech, beating Texas in the Big 12. And then obviously it paid big dividends uh, against UCLA. So really feel confident with it. And our number three team has been the one that um, they started together earlier in the season, didn't have much success at all, split up and went with different partners. And then we brought them back together against UCLA and they've really just done well. And, you know, a lot of credit goes to Daria Dekoskaya who jumped in the middle of the lineup at number two doubles and, and then now slid down to three and, and she's just really, um, you know, honed in on doing some things well, but, you know, they started down three zero. Um, we were, we were up three, one at number one doubles, but down three, one at two and three zero at three. And I kind of just, tried to figure out what I was going to do to try to help us, you know, get back in there and, and just sat down with the team at three and, and try to make a few adjustments. And they came back to three, all 30 love. And it seemed like things were just really rolling. And then we wind up getting broken that game to go down four, three, but to those girls credit, they broke right back and then go up five, four only to then, you know, have UCLA hold and break and then up six, five. And then we broke back to six all. And then, won the tiebreaker 7-2 and, and played just very, very well, um, executed very well um, down the stretch in the tiebreaker. And I think that set the tone for the match. We got off to winning four first sets in singles. And and I think then UCLA really had to play from behind the rest of the match. And I think that's tough to do. I thought they stayed in it and they stayed really tough and they gave us everything that they had. But I think we built up a lead and momentum to where uh, I think it made it really difficult the rest of the match. Yeah, and, you know, you guys have had some outstanding doubles teams and doubles points uh, throughout the course of your tenure. You go back to that 2015-16 team. What, you guys dropped one doubles point maybe all season long, something like that. And with that in mind, I'm curious, you look at what Lisa and Ayumi have been able to do this year. And, you know, again, they were 10-0 at the number two spot. You move them up to number one where they're now 9-3. They've won five in a row. They're 8-2 in their last 10 I fully acknowledge the stupidity of this question. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament. How good is this team? Like, how good are they at that number one spot? Well, you know, in 2020, um, when the season was stopped, they were four in the country and, yep. and were 10-0. and 0. Um, And so what they're doing isn't new for them. Um, you know, they're, they're a team that when you watch them play, I'm sure nobody fears them or thinks that, um, you know, they do anything that is going to wow anybody. Uh, you know, I'm watching the UCLA team watch us play against Mexico State, and they're probably thinking, look, you know, we've got Bolton and Waggle, and, and we, we got some firepower, and we're going to be ready. But the thing is, I think Lisa and Ayumi, they know each other so well. They know how to play with each other. I think anytime you can play with the same partner for, you know, several years, it goes back to them playing in Japan together before they came over. And I think they know um, – what each other is going to do. They know how to play to their strengths. They understand that they don't um, maybe have the most firepower, but they position themselves well. And, you know, I think anytime uh, you do that, you give yourself a chance and you go back to that team you talked about, you know, 2016, when we won 33 out of 34 doubles points, we had Kelsey Lorente and Maria Alvarez as our one team. And you had Leskova, Adamovich, Bobich, those girls playing down low, but the thing, at, you know, at that one team, those girls knew how to play to their strengths. And same thing with Lisa and Ayumi. Um, you know, there's nothing flashy other than the wins. And, you know, they they won 6-1 on Sunday. And it's one of those things that just it just happens. You know, I mean, they're just playing, playing. And you look up and next thing you know, they're up 4-1 or, you know, they're in, in command. And, um, you know, they had a few matches in the middle of the season where they didn't play as well. Um, but those girls 
didn't flinch and stayed true to who they are. And uh, I think they give us a chance against anybody. And I, it's going to be really interesting to see the rest of the season in the dual match and then also in the individuals how far they can go. Um, I think they can play with anybody. You knew the tangent was coming. What percentage of the 2016 season did you have to say, no, Katrina and Babich at number three doubles is not a stack? Like, stop <laughs> asking me. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I thought that, you know, probably Leshkova and Tamari maybe, you know, was going to be our one. And then Babich and Adamovich probably, you know, two or some, you know, shakeup of that. But then Lorente and and Alvarez won the regionals and they go to national indoors. And then they started the season ranked five in the country. And I'm like, well, how can I, you know, play them anywhere other than one? And every time we needed a big win, whether it was the semifinals or finals that year or whatever, um, you know, they were they were getting the win. And so no one could really um, knock it. You know, even me as a coach, you're thinking, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last, but you're going to ride yeah. this wave and then you do it all the way to the finals. So, um, yeah. You know, it's 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 always nice, and you see it. I think with teams that are successful this time of the year, they have so much depth that it doesn't matter whether it's their one or three doubles team or their you know five or six singles. Um, you know, your depth plays a big role because no one can consistently win at the same spots all year long. Um, you know, unless maybe you're a couple of teams with you know some of the elite singles players, but overall, you got to have depth, and, and it's got to be done in different ways. You know, all throughout the season. No, absolutely. And obviously, a big point for you guys this year has been my Swan Ka, who ends up earning a three and one win over Alicia Bolton. And I think I got the last name right. God yeah. knows I've listened to the pronunciation on the website, which I'm immensely grateful for over and over again in preparation. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, my was a big point, and um, we can get to her in a second. You guys take four first sets uh, against UCLA. In particular, I want to talk about Lisa's first set against Abby, because obviously, Lisa's had, I think, a pretty good year by any metric. You look for her 10-6 and six overall at the number one spot. I think you tell any coach in the country, hey, you're going to win about two-thirds of your number one singles matches. They'd sign up for that tomorrow. Um, that said, obviously, Abby's about as good as it gets in college tennis. And I'm curious what you've seen from Lisa this season in that number one spot and how valuable that first set was, again, to get four on the board for your team there. Yeah, I think Lisa is the true epitome of what our program is about, um, you know, just great competitors, um, maybe not always wowing people, but just getting in there and fighting and um, battling. You know, she started with, with us in the spring. So after no fall results to be 20 in the country right now, um, her 10 wins really, you know, you look at who she's played. She's played everybody at the top of the lineup. She has a win over Cayetano, who was number one in the country at the time. She's played Freeman. She's played Stearns twice. Um, you know, she's played all the top players. So, you know, this weekend going against Navarro is just going to be another top player for her to play. So she's she's played against everybody. I don't think she fears anybody. She just is who she is. Um, we knew that Abby is is obviously one of the best competitors in college tennis, a great leader, a great competitor. Um, and Lisa really just stayed up on the baseline, took time away, pressured her, won the first set 6-4. And that was a real critical turning point at three all deuce point that um that abby won that kind of helped her get that second set and then you know it was a real battle for us there in the third set so um but lisa getting that first set you know once again as i said kind of put them to where they were going to have to win two three setters at least to to pull the match out so that really set the tone for us 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, again, in terms of setting that tone, what Mai's been able to do this season, 19-2 and two overall on the year. Obviously, you look for her. She's a freshman and yet seems to have fit in like a hand in a glove here in the college tennis environment. You look for her 3-1 and one over Alicia Bolton, who has seen everyone has been in every scenario. This is not Alicia's first second round match. This is my first time at this stage. What has clicked so well for her this season? You know, I think just her development as a player, she came in and, um, you know, I think she had some areas of her game that she's obviously extremely great at. She's very athletic, um, but, you know, she hit exclusively close stance on every ball and and just kind of played the same wasn't used to uh, you know people that mixed it up or did some different things and I think throughout the fall she saw some things that she hadn't hadn't seen before and that was great and to her credit she was open to development and open to you know changing whether it was you know being able to play more open stance especially on the forehand side and, and work on her movement and you know she does such a great job now of taking time away and she's athletic she can come forward and, you know, she just puts so much pressure on somebody. And if somebody is weaker on one side or the other, she does a great job of exposing that. And so, um, you know, in this match, she she knew Alicia from juniors and had a lot of respect for her um, and, and came in very focused. And, and I thought just played an excellent match. It, you know, the match was tight there a little bit in the first set. And once she was able to kind of push forward on the first set, she didn't look back. And you know, I think she's arguably as good as anybody in the country right now in the two single spot um, and gives us a real good shot. So, you know, if we get that doubles point between her and Lisa at the top, you know, we feel pretty good that we can put some pressure on people at the top of the lineup. And, you know, she just doesn't give points away. I think she stays in there and she makes people work and she's extremely athletic. It's hard to hit the ball past her and um, she's able to stay in every point. She plays great defense. And I think she frustrates a lot of people. Um, she has great energy. She's really, you know, you ask about her in the team game. I mean, she's bought into the team a hundred percent and she gives her best to the team and the team really responds to her and she's just a joy to be around. She brings great energy to the court. She's always positive and, and giving her best. And, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll ride with her to the end. Yeah. What is the, the difference between the freshmen that get it? And those that don't, for lack of a better term, I mean, I know no two people are the same and you're never going to coach two tennis players the same way. But what allows a Mai or, you know, I mean, you can look across the country, whether it's a Connie Ma at Stanford, you can go over all over and over the place. Are there are there character traits that you think, you know, apply to all of them? Yeah, I would think so. I think, you know, one is being a little bit humble, you know, as a freshman to come in and, and be willing to listen to the coaches and to your teammates and and be able to like soak it in. You know, she she asks a lot of questions. She's very curious. Um, and then she just loves being around her team. I, I think she really enjoys the girls. And, um, you know, anytime something's kind of going on off the court with our team, she wants to be involved. And so I think she's just uh, engrossed herself in everything about our program. Um, she's been really humble to, to understand what it takes to ask questions, to be a part of it. And, um, you know, I think she's just at the end of the day, a great competitor. And, you know, I think that's what really is going to help anybody um, in, you know, in the college tennis environment is somebody who doesn't take points off and just competes with every point. You're going to be able to do something valuable for your team. When you say don't take points off, Maya is precisely who I think of. I mean, talk about just the effort she gives point in, point out. And I'm curious because, again, you talk about your team, the composition of it. 
I think you guys are the team that splits everything. What do I mean by that? I mean one and two singles. I think you guys are going to split three and four singles. I think you guys can split five and six thing- singles. I think you're going to get one win out of these two individual flights. And I know pairing things like that, maybe that's not a luxury head coaches can afford. Maybe that's just something we here in the media do. But I'm curious how you coach a team like that where, you know, it's always fun when you can say dubs, one, two, six. That's our recipe to four. We know it. We have it. And I know I've talked to you about this before, but when you've got a team where it's, you know, one day dubs, two, three, and six, the next day it's one, four, five, and six or whatever it may be, how do you go about coaching a team like that? You know, I think it really makes your job as a coach a, a lot easier because okay. everybody understands how critical. So easier. Sorry to cut you off. Easier, not harder. I, I do because I think everybody okay. understands that like every day it may be them, you know, and, and there's no like, hey, you know, we're going to rely. Now, I think Mai is probably somebody that, you know, you look at her record. I mean, she's been been pretty close to a lock. But I would agree that you probably think the path involves two. I think that's yeah, fair. But, uh, you know, and, and I think the great thing for us is that Lisa's just provided a lot of leadership. And mm-hmm. I don't think you can question the results that Lisa's had and the fact that she deserves to be at, at number one. And I think it's allowed my the freedom to play that number two position. And I think there is a difference between playing one and two and just to be able to kind of find a little bit more comfortability in that role. I think this time of the year, there's not as much a difference as you talked about. I mean, you get, you know, a Bolton or now a Subash or someone at two, there's, there's, you know, you're still playing some of the best players in college tennis. So, but earlier in the year, I think it allowed her to be, get comfortable, but to your point, I think it's um, a situation where, you know, we, we probably do it a little bit different every single match. And I think that keeps kids on their toes. It keeps them realizing that, you know, they got to bring it because um, you know, it's a total team effort. And right now we're playing eight players, you know, this weekend, um, you know, we had Deco Sky and Orpana play doubles, but not singles. And so all eight players, uh, you know, contributed to the wins and so everybody knows that they got to bring it every day in practice beyond their game bring their best self and that's what we talked to the team about like you know our team's going to be successful when everybody brings their best self to practice develops improves and is able on match day to do it and I, I still think there's another level we can go to um and hopefully that's that's coming the rest of the season but I, I like doing it this way um because you know and Years past, you know, I think when we were, you know, a candidate to to win a title, um, you know, we had certain spots that felt like they had to win in order for the team to win. And, um, you know, I think this way, I think everybody in our lineup, one through six, has a shot to beat anybody on any given day. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I, I would agree with you. I think that's what makes watching your team so enjoyable. I think that's what made this season so enjoyable in general, especially on the women's side. It feels like you can write down, I mean – legitimately 16 teams as we see all left in the sweet 16 that all have their different pathways to four points uh with that in mind let's talk about your team let's talk about your season some more uh you guys are 20 and 5 now overall on the year obviously going into the sweet 16 and by the way that five loss number that's a familiar number to oklahoma state fans that know but again as we look at your uh your season curious what's the best win of the year for you all I would say Pepperdine um, because of the scenario coming off a really tough loss to Oklahoma. Um, you're finishing that match at about 8.30 at night and you play Pepperdine the next day at 3 o'clock. Um, you know, just that match. Is that was good right. scheduling or bad scheduling, by the way, by you? That's great now, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was a situation where I told the kids, look, 
this is going to prepare us. If we're going to play a quarterfinals, semifinals type matchup, this is going to happen. You're going to probably play late into the night potentially and turn around the next day. And you can't be scared of those types of situations. I think everybody wants to play the Friday, Sunday type um, weekends, but at some point in time, you have to mimic what's coming in the future. You have to be able to, to, you know, prepare for it. And whether it was that weekend or the very next weekend, you know, at the big 12 tournament, we prepared for back-to-back days and, you know, it's, there's no simulation to it other than just going out there and, and doing it. And so, um, you know, I think the emotion of losing to Oklahoma with the big 12, you know, potential title on the line for us to be able to, you know, to share that with them in Texas, have we, have we won that, um, you know, and Lisa being up five, three in the second, then four, one, the third, and, and, you know, just losing that and uh, then, having everybody turn around the next day and it to be senior day and, and um, you know, all that goes into that and playing right after the men and kind of waiting for them to finish up against Texas and then going to Pepperdine and um, conditions weren't great. Um, So a lot of factors there, I thought our kids were just really tough. And so I would say that was a big win for us. And it showed us that, you know, our fitness levels good, um, you know, all the things, the boxes that we needed to check as far as, um, competing with the best teams in the country, you know, short turnarounds, all those types of things uh, we were able to do. And I think that gave us a lot of confidence for a match like uh, Sunday against UCLA when it's 95 degrees and, you know, it's the second of the match of the NCAA tournament, even though we weren't pushed as much in the first round just to turn around and do it again uh, in very, very tough conditions with the heat. Um, heat index was over 100 on the court. So, you know, we knew the fitness and all the things we prepared for. Um, set us up. So I would say the Pepperdine match is um, was a good one. But, you know, I think for us to beat UCLA, USC and Pepperdine all at home this year um, outside of the conference matches was um, was pretty important for us. It's true. They call you Chris West Coast Killer Young. I don't know if you know that, but that's what they call you in my in my circles. Is it now? Okay. Yeah. It's so just a warning. But, you know, you alluded to it there. What's the match you'd want back? Is it Oklahoma? Oh, no question. Yeah, no question. We didn't play well in doubles, but, you know, came out and just, um, you know, had that match. I mean, give Oklahoma a lot of credit. They've, they've, this has been their year to pull out the four threes and they've been in some situations. So take nothing away from them uh, in that situation. Um, But, you know, that one and, and UCF, um, you know, we had match points against UCF. So, you know, you put those two in the win column for us, you know, we're right there in the, four or five range going into um, the postseason, And, uh, you know, we're hosting this weekend. So, um, you know, but I think everything happens for a reason. I think we learned a lot from those matches. Um, you know, we learned what we had to do to close some matches out. And I think it paid dividends, um, you know, against UCLA. Yeah, I appreciate the UCF loss because then my Wolverines also within that time range took a loss to them. And I was like, well, they beat Oklahoma State. So, like, they must just be very good. Um, It's funny. I thought you might say the Ohio State match just to say I'd like to play them with a full roster and just like get there to the national indoors. I'm sure that's on. the. I mean, there's only five losses to pick from. And I assume it's one of those and not the victories. But, you know, you talk about that super regional, that sweet 16 coming up and that ability to have hosted it. Now, I know this is something we have discussed before, but with the Sweet 16 on the horizon and you all are traveling to number five, Virginia, this weekend, you've hosted an NCAA tournament in Stillwater. You know the efforts that go into that massive round of 16 day. Do you prefer the massive round of 16 or do you prefer the Super Regional format? 
I, I prefer the massive day because, um, you know, I think it's just so cool for the kids to get to the final site. Um, I think there's a little bit more validation. You know, you you have kind of all the pageantry, so to speak, that goes along with it a little bit more. You know, people will say, well, you know, the round of 16 day, you're maybe playing a 9 a.m. match and there's little crowd. And um, I, I can get all that. Um, but I think that just the reward of getting to the final site is so important. And, you know, it's hard to do at 16, much harder to do at eight. Um, and so I think that's just such a good experience for the kids. I think, you know, there's arguments on both sides. I, I get the, you know, the super regional and you know, we've only done it once yeah. and uh, we were on the road at UNC and had a battle with them. And now to go on the road again with UVA, maybe I just have sour grapes because we haven't hosted <laughs> No, they what? call you Chris West Coast Killer, but Chris East Coast Slaughtered. Um, okay. Just, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, I would rather guess go to the West Coast, but uh, <laughs> but no, I think there's you know there's arguments to be made both sides. I, I always liked the um, final site was 16, um, so we'll we'll see you know how it goes. I mean, I think for us, you know, this is five out of the last seven years making the Sweet 16. One of those years we were the eight seed and, and got upset. We, you know, we're down to five players due to injuries. So I think we've just established some really good consistency. And I think being there is really important, putting yourself in the position. And then if you have to go on the road, you just do. And, and um, you know, we'll see what we can do this weekend. Yeah. And to your point, it's only the second year we've done this. Like let's give it a fourth try, maybe a fifth try, and then we'll see if this is good or not. But you mentioned the consistency, five sweet 16s in seven years for your program. What does that say about what you guys have been able to accomplish? You know, I hope that that's what people see is the consistency, you know, 20 wins again this year, sweet 16 at least, and hoping for more. Um, you know, we've had an All-American at least once in the last eight years. I hope people see that we develop kids here, that players come here and they get better, um, that we're always getting better throughout the year. And, um, you know, we'll put ourselves in a position at the end of the season to compete with anybody. Um, and that's what I'm proud about. You know, I think it's I won't say it's easy, you know, to have a great season once in a while, but I think it's hard to to really stay there and do it because then people start, you know, aiming for you. And I think anybody that, um, you know, has us in the NCAA tournament knows that it's going to be a tough match. And so we're going to get everybody's best. I thought we got, you know, a great effort out of UCLA and it made us raise our level. And I think our girls have been able to do that. And, um, you know, I think last year wasn't what we wanted. So, you know, I'm really proud of the girls and in our coaching staff, Jaime, doing a great job of helping us, you know, put things back into, uh, you know, where we feel we should be. And that's, you know, a top 10 team playing at the end of the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, 20 and five overall on the year for your team with that in mind, obviously sweet 16 against Virginia. I'm trying to coax match calculi out of all of the coaches. I'm like, what's your pathway to four? What I've quickly learned is that's a exercise in futility because none of you are going to give me that answer. So let me try it like this though. What do you need to see from your team? for them to advance to that next stage, get back to Champaign? You know, I think we're going to have to come out very confident and aggressive, you know, starting with the doubles. I think the doubles is going to be key. Virginia is so talented. They do such a good job. They're very aggressive in doubles. Um, and I think that's going to be a really critical point. You know, you look at their lineup and, um, you know, we have a lot of respect for each of their girls, one through six. And so, um, you know, we'd, we'd be very fortunate to to split the six singles, as you've talked about. Uh, if you're going to say, give me that, um, and then it comes down to the doubles, we know we'd have our hands full there, so they know that's going to be a big point. But, um, 
you know, I don't really look at it and say, we've got to get these spots to do it. I think we've got to just be our best self and do the best that we can. And, and that's not really coach speak. That's just the honest truth of, um, I'm not really sure where the four points are going to come from. And I think that's the exciting thing going into the match is, um, everybody's capable, um, but we know that they feel the same. And so, um, you know, that doubles point, I think is going to be really, um, really critical and setting the tone. I think that we've done a good job this year of bouncing back when we haven't gotten it. Um, and I really feel like we, we have a really good singles lineup. Um, but I, I really like the way that we're playing doubles, as we mentioned, you know, the last five, six matches, we've played really well. So I think we have a lot of momentum going there. And I think if we were able to sneak out that doubles point, I think we could put a lot of pressure on them. I love it. Well, last three questions for you. Team MVP this year for Oklahoma State. Is it Jaime? Yeah, I'll get to I'll get to Jaime. Um, he does a great job. Um, you know, is really relentless in in recruiting and working with the kids. I love he's um, very creative mind. Um, he always has um, some some fun things that he wants to put into practice. So always keeps me on my toes about you know thinking about that. And I think that that helps us keeps it fresh. Um, you know, I think that you can't undervalue Lisa. Um, and what she's brought to our program um, just from a leadership perspective and how hard she works and what she brings. I think she brought that toughness back in that, that we didn't have last season. So uh, let's say co-MVPs with uh, Jaime and Lisa. I like it. Most improved player this year? Hmm. They're all, you I know, mean, they've all gotten better, of course. I would say as funny as it might B, I would say my um, from from the fall to the spring, I'd say um, very improved. Um, I think probably most improved within the season, I would say Daria in doubles. Um, I think that's uh, can't underestimate what she's brought since we put her back in the doubles. So um, if I could go my for singles and Dar for doubles. Uh, I would say most improved. I am going to allow two most improved candidates. That works for me. We'll let the fans decide who gets it in the end. You mentioned the doubles. One tangent for you. When you're coaching doubles to a young team or, you know, you're trying to teach them about the college doubles point, do you teach tactics first or do you teach the energy first? And I know you're teaching both, but to me, when I watch the doubles point, I think it's almost more important to be ready for the sprint, to understand what these 30 minutes are going to be like, even more so than saying, hey, like, don't forget if you're serving inside backhand hip, it's really hard to pull that ball anywhere but down the line. So maybe don't cheat over. Like, I feel like it's the energy first. Yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot to the energy, especially with one set. You got to come out ready to go out of the gate. I think that's that's hard. You know, you can tell kids all you want but until yeah. they experience it. I think it's a little bit tricky um, and not to panic. You know, I thought that was the best thing I was most proud of with our kids is, you know, like at three doubles down three zero to a UCLA team that coming into the weekend hadn't lost a match all season at three doubles. And then you get three down and they're completely confident and at ease. And the fact that we didn't panic, I think, you know, even though it's a short sprint, you're never really out of it. Um, but I, I love just teaching the uh, strategy and the technical side of it, because I think that you gain so much confidence of knowing who you are, knowing how you want to play, knowing your plays and doubles that fit you and just showing up and saying, this is what we're going to do. And you probably know what we're going to do, but this is, you know, how we do it. And 
I think that's where the energy should come from is just being able to execute at a high level. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I, I agree with you. It is a rat race. It's the most exciting 30 to 40 minutes you're going to see, uh, in my opinion, uh, in any level of tennis. But obviously, I'm a little bit biased. Last question for you. Is Oklahoma now a tennis state? Like, is it time to start reconsidering Oklahoma as a hotbed of tennis? I think it might be. Man, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> um, you know, when I came back, being from Oklahoma, when I came back here in 2009, that was a goal that I had was just bringing more notoriety to uh, tennis in the state. And I hope that I've been able to do my part. Um, you know, I think there's others that have done a great job. You know, Vince Westbrook started it by building the Taj Mahal there in Tulsa. And then the rest of us had to kind of follow suit and, and step up our game. And then, you know, I think it was um, for me, one of the highlights of my coaching career in 2016 to be in Tulsa and to have us on the women's side and OU on the men's side playing in the finals. Um, if people didn't realize it was a tennis state in 2016, <laughs> then if we're finally telling them again in 2020, um, you know, happy for, um, you know, what Oklahoma, Oklahoma State are doing for college tennis on the women's side. And I think it's a matter of time for Dustin and our guys um, are there as well. And so uh, I know, you know, just speaking for our program, I'm excited about the future. I think you look at the facilities that the three state schools have. Um, we've contributed, that's for sure. So um, I, I hope that people don't just overlook, um, you know, the tennis that's played here for sure. Yeah, no, and of course, shout out to the Greenwoods and all the families that have made these facilities possible to your point. I love that, though, by the way. Is that what Tulsa's referred to as the Taj Mahal? That's what we've always just called that's it. That's great. You know? You got to build Ben's up, you know. He needs it. He doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm stealing that moving forward. I just want to be clear. Uh, I mean, but the outside of that, there's not a building, you know. Maybe, maybe SMU, but on the outside, I mean, that thing just looks, and it's nice all the way around. But I mean, it's it's pristine. Yeah, no, there's some good ones. I mean, my favorite. I'm biased, is Nielsen up in Madison because you want to talk about a tennis warehouse? Like, yes, were the bathrooms not renovated since 1972? True. <laughs> but you're just like engrossed in 12 courts of tennis and it's all tennis all of the time. And I feel like Tulsa is another facility like that, obviously, uh, down in that I don't know. You guys are the South, yep. uh, the Oklahoma, Texas region, whatever we want to call that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, again, uh, it has been such a pleasure to watch your team compete. And I, I know you guys were injured, but the curveball you throw us on kickoff weekend to have the weekend that you did and just to come back the way that you have. And again, 20 and five overall on the season, as dangerous as any team in the country. Uh, always a pleasure to watch the Cowgirls compete. And so, of course, Coach Young, thank you for taking the time to chat with me once again. Thanks for tolerating all of my nonsense throughout the course of the year. And, of course, wishing you and the team health and success throughout the remainder of this tournament. I appreciate it. We're excited for the weekend. And just um, I can't say how proud I am of, um, you know, the job that our staff, Jaime, and our fitness coach, Nick, and then our kids have done to put us in this position. And so, um, yeah, it's um such a fun time of the year to be in this position and to let your hard work pay off in these moments. So I'm excited for Saturday and appreciate you having me on to talk about our team. Of course, I got one more stupid thing for you. My favorite thing of the 2021 National Indoors was watching your team gather for the National Anthem and you got guns out on the back. I yeah. now do that for every National Anthem where I go behind <laughs> my back and I go guns out. I'm like, that's just so great. I was like, I'm stealing yeah. that and no one will ever get it except for us. And so, I like, I like yeah. it. I'm going to be watching now. I'm going to be yeah. <laughs> I'll be sitting there as we get ready for the broadcast and they're like, "What?" I remember Mike Cation was like, what are you doing? And I was yeah. like, just, you're not going to get it. I was like, just don't uh, worry about it. And so... Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Coach. Be safe, be healthy. We will chat more soon. Appreciate it.
Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>